Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We're seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools, fools for, for Christ. Christ. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. The topic for today is... Wishful thinking. Not quite 10 things we wish we would have done earlier in our lives to live a better life. Not quite 10 because we only have nine. Surprise, surprise. Yes. <laughs> and this, honestly, this, this list could have gotten pretty long. But yeah. I think we, we had we had nine and just decided there's no need to add anything else. This is pretty good as is. Um, <laughs> God already had, he had 10 perfect commandments. We don't need to try to copy with another <laughs> set of, of perfect 10. Um but this this one just kind of hit me the other day when when we were brainstorming and, and uh, I don't even know why but it's just like oh what are the things I wish I would have done differently, especially in my life of faith but really in, in other things um, so that by this point in my life I would be living a better Christian life mm-hmm. um, and not to like I have I have full trust that God has given me the things I need to be the man He wants me to be today. But I know that I didn't take advantage of all of the opportunities he gave me that could have made me a better man. So I guess that's, uh, hopefully someone listening to this is, is younger, or I mean, even if they're not, if they're older and they're just like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start these things now. Yeah. Um, and it's also things that, I mean, some of these are things that I'm, of course, still working on. And then the other thing to keep in consideration here is, I mean, 20 years from now, you and I will probably have a whole different set of lists of, man, I should have started that You're when right. I was yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, 20 years ago. <laughs> um, no, that's a good point. There. Did you say investing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually a good point. <laughs> but you're right, these are. I mean, they're not so much things that I, I wish I would have done so that I didn't have to do them, but habits that I wish I would have started mm-hmm. or things I wish I would have understood more so that I could have experienced the benefit and still experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, like taking vitamins. Hey, <laughs> yes. Yes, like taking vitamins. Yeah, that's not one of them, though. I get, we're probably going to come up with a bunch of things that aren't on our <laughs> list. We're already up to 11. Um, those two things need no discussion. Because Flintstones vitamins, and now they have gummy vitamins, which are even oh, better. Oh, like, they're the best. I feel like Flintstones really needs to up their game. Like, I think the days of convincing people to eat chalk... <laughs> are over when you can get gummies so like they need to yes. they need to take it up a level um yeah do they know. still make flintstones vitamins they do oh. so, i mean i had, i don't remember the last time i checked but i think within a couple years i have seen it like chalky candy vitamins interesting um, why would you do that if you could get gummies i don't know tradition yeah some I guess. there's probably someone out there who doesn't like gummy stuff that like it's a weird texture to them and maybe they like the Flintstone. Well, for me, just like thinking about Flintstone vitamins, I'm like remembering the flavor of it right now, and I, it's making me feel like, oh, yeah, no, oh, not very. I don't, I don't want to eat that ever again. It's like eating a vitamin C tablet or something. It's just not. <laughs> oh yeah, the flavor that yeah, if you yeah. hold in your mouth a little too long. Oh yeah. Um, All right. Well, now that we've thoroughly discussed vitamins, let's actually start on our list. Sounds good. So. <laughs> The first item we have on here is we wish we would have found a, a hobby or perhaps more hobbies and been consistent with it. Um, for me, I wish I would have stuck with an instrument 
Um, and I, I think I kind of got to a point where I thought, I'll never need to do this when I was probably like 18 or 19. And then now I'm looking, I'm kind of looking back thinking, I wish I could play an instrument simply because I now I have a greater appreciation for the beauty of music and I want to be able to create that. Mm. Um, and that's, that's almost one of those things that, um, you can, you can get good at creating beautiful things without necessarily being super talented. Like, I, I don't know that I could become a great sculptor, um, without a lot of work, Yeah. but I could still create fairly beautiful music without, without putting in, uh, you know, like thousands of hours of, of work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you do need to put time and effort into it. Yeah, absolutely. And develop the skill. Right. Which is why we're saying, um, starting and sticking with it. Um, I also, I, I didn't stick with an instrument. I played violin for a while. I don't know if you knew that. No, violin, I didn't. Piano. Um, wasn't very good at either. Um, lost interest <laughs> and uh, moved on to other things. But my thought process here was picking a sport and sticking with it. Um, I did gymnastics for a long time when I was little, dance, got into cheerleading, um, but really didn't stick with anything that made it concrete in my life so that I could like depend on that as my way of being active yeah. and enjoying myself being active. Um, I think it's, it's someone who like plays volleyball. It's so neat to like have that skill and know it enough to be able to like go and play beach volleyball, um, and have that be just like a fun thing or basketball going over to the gym and having your regular crew on Wednesday nights playing basketball, you know, something like that, that would just, um, be some sort of team sport activity that I would stick with. And I just went in and out of things. So, so almost like you, it's almost like there's a, um, there's a threshold of skill. And if you reach that threshold and it's really easy to have fun doing that thing, Mm -hmm. you're right. I wish, so I, I luckily my, my dad made that decision for me and that I was going to get good at, at baseball and basketball. Um, and so I'm able to enjoy that today. And I guess I never, never really thought of it that way. Um, but it was because I was, I didn't have the choice of, I mean, I was, I think when I was in high school, I was allowed to decide not to play baseball, and I played football instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but even now, I mean, I could I could go join a softball league and have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and I I mean now I'm now that I've recognized this like very small void, <laughs> but you know still something yeah, missing yeah. that I wanted to fill. I recognize cycling as something that I really enjoy doing, and but I'm you know in the process of getting to that threshold. Yeah, yeah. To where I can join a cycling crew and go out and do that on Saturday mornings and stuff like that. But yeah, it does. It takes that getting to that certain place right? Yeah. to be able to be able to fall back on it. Cool. Well, that's, we'll have to check back in at a later point and see <laughs> like, so for, for you, it's cycling for me then it's like continuing to improve in guitar and banjo. Sweet. Um, I kind of, I, I put the banjo aside a little bit while I was working on my dissertation and, um, it will very soon be time to pick it up again. Nice. Uh, nice. So our next item on the list. Yes. Um, novenas. I personally, Dan, I don't know about you, but I did not know novenas existed until I was in college. I thought that there was some sort of weird, like, old lady prayer thing, like, list of memorized prayers that I didn't know that old ladies prayed after Mass, daily Mass. But I didn't realize there were, like 
novenas that you pray for nine days for a particular intention. Um, I just, I had no idea. So what do you, I, I think I grew up around a lot of those wonderful people who, who spend their time after, after daily mass, like <laughs> going through their, their like dog-eared, ragged old books mm-hmm, of so prayers. Good. And you know, yeah. they're, they're so faithful in doing that. Yes. Um, so, was, and I was homeschooled. And when you're like, the homeschooling is like a, a different dimension. You get in there and you, you find out all sorts of other things. Yes. But, um, what is it about them now that you like? I think they would have been such a solace to me when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be able to pray the Novena to Our Lady and do her knots when I was going through a particularly difficult time. Yeah. Or to fall back on uh, Novena to my patron saint, Saint Cecilia, preparing for her feast day. Um, really, I, I see them more as a, a comfort of spending those nine days <laughs> praying for whatever particular intention it is and just opening myself to that possibility of the Lord entering in yeah, to yeah. whatever that intention is. Um, I feel like I would have really grabbed onto that as a high schooler, um, that it would have been very powerful for me. That's act- I might, I'm going to discuss with some of my coworkers how I can incorporate that more into the high school ministry. I guess I'd never... Uh, I'd never thought of that as, as being a, something easier to grab onto and hold onto. And it, it certainly gives you a, a structure for prayer rather than just kind of say like, okay, what am I going to do tonight? I guess the same thing I've, I've always done. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that it, for a lot of people, it, it makes it easier to see that God answers your prayers mm-hmm. and that God is, he's, he's there, he's, you can encounter him in prayer and you just kind of, it's like attuning your ear yeah. to that, uh, to his presence a little bit more. And because for those nine days, you're looking for his response. Too. Yeah. 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 So it, it probably teaches you how to listen more. Um, that's a good one. I'm glad we, we had that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the next one, I'm going to say the title, but it's kind of, there's an explanation to it. Okay, so um, I wish young, that I, as a younger person, um, had decided to stop wearing makeup sooner. Um, for me, makeup, I learned how to put on makeup through theater. And so um, with learning theatrical makeup, you're essentially learning how to change your appearance to look a particular way. Um, so now contouring is like super popular. I don't know if you've seen any makeup tutorials online, Dan. I've never clicked them. <laughs> I've seen them. I think of probably seeing my wife or, or I've, I've seen it somewhere. Like I don't know, probably the videos that audio that autoplay for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, before contouring was a thing, that was something I was already doing. I was already changing my bone structure through makeup yeah. to make myself look usually thinner. And I don't, I don't even remember if it was rounder or longer or, or what it was. But um, my face. But I came to a point when I realized um, I need to stop thinking about how... I want to appear and start thinking about 
what God wants for me and how I need to start living because it's what God wants for me. Because if I came to this conclusion that God wanted my happiness. And if God wants my happiness, I need to do his will and live the way he wants me to because that's going to lead me to happiness. Um, and so one of the main things for me, which and I'm, I don't claim to make this assumption for every woman out there, <laughs> but for me it was I needed to stop my unhealthy um, obsession with looking a particular way. And so my first year in uh, at Franciscan in grad school, I stopped wearing makeup altogether. And that lens, I actually did a mirror fast um, where I needed my housemates to <laughs> do a little check over, make sure I wasn't wearing my shirt backwards or something like that before I left. But I, I didn't look in a mirror throughout all of that Lent. Um, and that was all in the spirit of trying to distance myself from my own expectations of what I was supposed to look like. Because that was getting in my way of becoming who God wanted me to be. Right. Um, and so, essentially, this is a, a broader idea um, of cutting out um, my expectations of what I thought I needed to be. Um, and for me, makeup was kind of the epicenter of that for the way I was living. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. How did you... How did you transition from, I guess if this is correct to say, kind of defining your own look and who you were mm -hmm. to um, to the goal, which is like f finding that happiness not in like the way that you see yourself, but in, in the way God sees you? Was that through like by giving up those things and then because it yeah. that creates a bit of a void. So how do you connect the dots? Um. Or, I mean, I maybe, think, you, maybe you don't need to. I think it happened before that, actually. Okay, gotcha. And that was, the, like, the response to it. So it was more of um, my senior year in undergrad, I was starting to realize um, the disconnect that was there because yeah. I was starting to become more and more aware of the way God wanted me to live and trying to do that more and more. Yeah. And then I discovered this part of me that was still clinging mm -hmm. to that. Uh, and so that was me actively trying to rid myself of those tendencies. Um, and then a year later, I started wearing makeup again on Sundays and special occasions and, you know, yeah. and so it wasn't like completely doing away with this good. It's not bad or evil to wear makeup. <laughs> um, and I don't intend that by any means, but I had to... Um, get rid of my own tendency to rely on that. Okay, gotcha. So it was the, it's almost like the the change in your heart came first and then you were able to let go of these things as you realized they like they were not essential for your identity. Mm -hmm. It sounds like once you once you recognized their proper role, then you're able to start using that good again. Yeah. I like that because that's, I guess I, I don't think about makeup a whole lot. Um, <laughs> and... Um, I guess that that says to people who do like makeup, like this, you don't have to to quit this forever. Um, but our, I guess our hope for everybody is that the they recognize their own goodness as as a child of God, mm -hmm. regardless of what their makeup looks like or anything else for that matter. 
Yeah. I mean, it could be hair dye, it could be hair do's, it could be clothes, shoes, anything. And I also, I don't want to give the impression that anyone who wears a lot of makeup automatically is not okay with who they are. Right. Um, I will be the first one to say that I wore a ton of makeup to the Hunger Games premiere in order to make myself look like someone from the Capitol mm-hmm. <laughs> dressed up. If you're not familiar with the Hunger Games books, go read them. They're a lot of fun. Um, and so I, I, I do still use makeup to alter appearance and stuff um, for fun things. Okay, gotcha. So I don't, I don't mean to say that even that yeah, is bad. Yeah, yeah, no. I just want to kind of clarify for that, our listeners. And that does sound like kind of a fun way of, of doing it. Yeah. So our next one on here is read books by saints. And I, I might add about them as well, but books by saints, especially books about saints by saints, yes. are some of the best. Um, and I know for me that was, I think that that started teaching my imagination to be holy mm-hmm. and to, to imagine myself living a saintly life by reading about people that I could look up to. Like I, I think my favorite to this day is St. John Vianney. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's a kid's book, but it's still, even as a kid's book, it's the kind of thing that I would read now as an adult to to inspire me again because it's that it's the simplicity of the faith that's displayed which might be be fictionalized probably is fictionalized but it nonetheless um, helped form my imagination to say this is who you can become Hmm. Um, and then books on prayer formed my ability to communicate with God and uh, which is what that process is really all about becoming holy so you can like becoming holy is having a better relationship with God yeah yeah I know my mom tried to get me to read, um, I loved reading as a teenager. Well, I still love reading, but, um, my mom tried to get me to read Catholic books, um, but they were never written by saints. And so they didn't, they didn't quite grab my attention, but if it had been like story of a soul, yeah, I think I would have, I think I would have really appreciated that. As a young person. Yeah, I think there's there's a category of like popular Catholic books. And I recognized this really mid-20s after I'd been seeing these books for, for like 10 years. And um, some of them are really good. Yeah. But they're not all great, which is, which is okay. Not all books are great. And you let time sort that out. And so by reading books by saints, you've already let time do the sorting mm-hmm. to let you know like this book is worth reading because it's still remembered. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, those classics. Yeah. Um, following that up, I also wish I would have read scripture more. So this is our number five. That's kind of almost the same thing, but it, it's unique. <laughs> it's like most of them are by saints, I would say. Yes. Uh, at least all the New Testament. Um, but no, that's a, um, yeah, for me, the, like, I can't imagine, we probably need to do a show on this one alone or talk about this in its own right, but just what reading scripture does for you. Mm. Um, but it's becoming familiar with both the voice of God, that like what God has done for us, the story, and it's always new. And that uh, it changed my relationship with God when I started reading scripture on a yeah. daily basis. And yeah. like now I, I, I love it. I love reading scripture so much. And I think I want everybody to do the same. Yes. Yes. And I, I think I tried to start reading scripture, but it wasn't until I learned how to do Lexio Divina 
that I really gravitated towards it. Um, it was more of trying to read the stories and stuff early on. Yeah. And I kind of floundered a little bit with that. Um, but kind of opening myself up to hear what God was speaking to me through the scripture, when I finally learned how to do that, that's when things started changing for me, yeah. my relationship with scripture at least. Yeah, knowing knowing how to read scripture seems to be key to like to getting something out of it. I mean, if you just read it like you're reading the newspaper, you'll get something, but not as much as if you, you kind of understand how to listen to God while you read. Yeah, I have a, a good friend who recently, uh, I'm not going to say her name here, but she recently came back to the faith and decided, you know, scripture would be a good place to start. And so she opened Genesis and started reading and had so many more questions than when she started. And I was like, okay, let's just start with the gospel of Mark. Yeah. yeah. Something <laughs> you can finish quickly. Yeah. Um, next up, we have um, understanding the Ten Commandments. And I would, I would add, this is kind of like understanding um, the church's teaching on all morality. And mm-hmm. the, so, I mean, the, um, like you can know the Ten Commandments. We, all, we probably all had heard the Ten Commandments a lot, but before we reached reach the ability um, to be fully in control of our own decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, this one is, let's say, understanding that when God asks us to do something, it's for our happiness. And that it's by doing the thing he asks us to do or not doing the thing he asks us not to do that we become happier, not the opposite. And he's not robbing our fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm 100% convinced of that. I mean, like you could, like on anything, I could probably explain why I thought doing something that looks appealing or tempting will only lead to my unhappiness if it yeah. goes contrary to God's law. Yeah. Yeah, and I... I remember a turning point for me was um, the way my mom taught me this was by her own rules that she was putting in place at home. And um, she was tireless in trying to convince me that the rules she had in place were because she loved me and not because she like had it out for me. <laughs> and so uh, finally it clicked one day and I chose to believe that she had these rules in place because she loved me and so I started to try to find her reasons um and even if I didn't always like cleaning my room I struggled with that one for a really long time like how does this mean you love me (laughs) like (laughs) um but once I finally started to accept that as fact and look for the ways that that rule was really for my benefit um that just changed my whole relationship with my mom so applying that to our relationship with God, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge for our relationship with the Father. That's good for your mom in, in doing it. I mean, that's, a, that's a, a big undertaking. And to be, to be dedicated and resilient to that for a long time, I would say paid off in spades for you. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was, it was huge for my understanding of God, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. <laughs> So our next one, this is number seven, is the importance of healthy and Catholic friends and friendships. Um, Mm. And I think we probably both found this in the same way, more or less at the same time. And that was in campus ministry at UCF. Um, And that's probably where I would imagine most people would find it. If you find a group of Catholics around your age or or, um, 
with kind of living a similar state in life. So, I mean, you might be, uh, you might be 30, someone else might be 45 or 50, but if you're doing similar things, I mean, you're, you're in the world, you're working, you're, you're trying to mm-hmm. get holy, um, then you have something in common and, and something to share while you're trying to get holy together. These, I mean, these are good friends. I think any kind of friends that are, that are good, whether they're, they share your faith or not, want you to be, to be happy, want mm-hmm. you to like become who you're supposed to be, which is, in our case, saints, in everybody's case, saints. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're, I can't think of a good analogy for it, but they just help you get there more. Um, and they, they keep you on the path because you know, I mean, all sorts of things, like being worried about disappointing them or being worried about scandalizing them, seeing their good example and having that inspire you and encourage you. And, yeah. Um, goodness begets goodness. So when you surround yourself by people who are trying to be good and be better, that takes care of itself. Yes. Sorry, I think I've been like monopolizing these last ones. I've just been so excited about them. I've been meant to, sorry. No, I and I'm trying to think of if there's anything I wanted to add to that. Um, yeah, because for me, yeah, college as well was when we I really started. I I tried to, and that's that's the other thing here that was so difficult for me personally. I don't know if you had a similar experience, but in high school, I tried really hard to find Catholic friends, and. Um, even had some people that I went to Sunday Mass with on a regular basis, but um, they still weren't the best influences on me, and they didn't act like Catholics outside of Mass. Yeah. And so it was. It still wasn't authentic friendship. Right. Yeah, that was that was hard for me to find as well. I didn't find that until college. I mean, there were, there were a handful of people, but it wasn't a community. It was maybe one or two. Yeah. Um, and then there were the people that I was kind of trying to like lift up. They like, well, if maybe if I can, if I can make them holier, and not not trusting in the Lord, um, yes. and finding people who were already on their way. Yeah, yeah, it was hard to find people who are already on their way. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, and it's a, like no no condemnation for those who aren't. It's just the the Lord hasn't given them that that push that they need right then and there, or they haven't responded. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard to be the one leading. That. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's especially in high school. Some people are are very good at, it, but it's. I think that those individuals are are rare and and very gifted and very talented. They're usually really cool. To, it's it's cool to see it. <laughs> yes. Um, number eight, getting started early on the works of mercy. Right, and by this we mean um, serving the serving others and just like being the kind of person Jesus asks us to be in terms of. Like living the Beatitudes, living the, the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, of like alleviating others' suffering mm-hmm. and kind of building that habit. Yeah. I was, uh, again, my mom was so good at, with this too. She um, was really good at pointing out to me how, the like joyful high that I was always on whenever I came back from the community service trip and pointing out to me how joy felt, how my personal joy was increased by going out and doing good for others and making that connection for me. Yeah. And that kind of, to me, that goes back to the, what we said about the Ten Commandments and that when we, when we do what God asks us to do, because it's in accord with our nature, it makes us happier. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, kind of nice that Jesus said, like, hey, I want you to take care of poor people. By the way, it's going to make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> or not necessarily poor people, but just people who are suffering and need, need yeah. relief. 
And this can be something so easy. I, my, we used to visit uh, my my mom. Um, my mom is divorced. She received an annulment, and her uh, first husband's parents um, were not doing too well, and so he couldn't get out of the house. He lost most mobility. I, I forget the name of the disease that he had, but we would go and visit him monthly, um, and just and he was my stepmom's ex-husband's father <laughs> oh wow yeah so but he was one of my grandparents that's beautiful in my mind because of the way that my mom put this into my life so early on yeah that i mean that's life-changing that is yeah for lots of people not just you yeah and our last one so number nine we made it having a better understanding of grace in the sacraments and you kind of like recognizing that it's not our holiness is not dependent upon our own efforts, but it's to the degree that we say yes to God's will mm-hmm. and say yes to what He wants, that facilitates holiness. And we don't. He's. I mean, thank thank the Lord. He's not asking us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Yeah. Um, but to almost like to to let Him to jump in an elevator and let Him push the buttons. Yeah. And then, what does jumping in the elevator look like? Because that, getting ourselves to reconciliation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The liturgy and the Eucharist, like, that's the jumping in the elevator. Yeah. And I would say a part of this is recognizing that growth in holiness is often slow. Mm -hmm. um, But slow growth is is good growth. And and it feels slow, actually. But I think in hindsight, it's not. Like, you might look back and, and over the course of a year, you'll say, wow, like, I, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's a big change. But you know, even over the course of a week, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. Um, so slow growth is good growth. And uh, even if you can't see the, the grace of the sacraments, they're working. Yes. Yeah. So those have been our not quite 10 things that we wish we would have done early in our lives. And now, but there's still time. That's cool. So we can do, I think we can do all of these things still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We should so and maybe continue to grow in them. Yeah, we'll we'll try to revisit this one maybe like a year from now and see like okay. how like are you better at cycling and am I better at banjo and guitar? <laughs> you know, so I'll highlight this so that we remember. Sounds good. I like it. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. We will be with you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening.